Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran former law enforcement officer and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Here's the funny, who, uh, uh, hi everybody, by the way. Um, Opening up chat, boom. Let's see if it works, boom. Everything so far is working. Pitcher in the ninth inning, no hitter. Ah, working like a charm. Working like a charm, Sean. Uh, so welcome, welcome. Any of you want to join me in chat? Uh, I know that it is different and weird to listen to me on a Wednesday, but you need to understand that it works better for me and uh, overall. Eventually, we're hoping to uh, be in a position where we can uh, where we can actually uh, be on the radio Monday through Friday, but we shall see. All right. So you've reached the collision of faith and politics. Good job. That's the first step. Uh, I, uh, I'm glad to have you along. This is the Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener, and I am the Ninja Pastor. No, I really am the Ninja Pastor. That's it's a trademark thing. Went through a lot of trouble to get that. Given to me by a very, very highly valued person, uh, treasured, you might even say. And uh, God bless Israel. Wow. Um, can you imagine living with all of this violence going on? Can you imagine that? You know, people just roaming around telling you you're bad people and and uh, all of this, and, and you've just got to do what we say and give us land and do all these things. Pay more for everything that we do. No, we don't want to do anything. Yes, we want to b- blow you up. But you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to do anything good. It's it's no problem. Culture of death, the absolute culture of death. Listen, folks, uh, do not fall for that. Anyway, look, today's show. I'm going to tell you right now. It's a, it's a cannot it's a cannot miss show. You you can't miss the show. So I'm glad you're tuned in. Tell your friends. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that I have to tell you. I'm really excited about. Um, we have two guests on. We have Dave Bray of Dave Bray USA, and or no, Brave Day USA, I guess is the website. And, well, let's just see. We have the internet. Dave Bray USA. DaveBrayUSA.com. And um, he is doing his thing. He's uh, got a line of clothes out, Brave Day clothing. And it's all cool looking stuff. I, you know, I'm going to buy some of it. I'm fixing to order some of it right now. But, but, I don't know, man. 
He's a good-looking dude. I, I go putting this stuff on. People think, you silly, man. You trying to pull off looking cool. You know you ain't cool. But you guys know Dave Bray. Come on, anybody anybody that knows me um, has heard Dave Bray on the show before. Uh, good guy, really, really good guy. Um, and uh, so I am excited to have him on. He's going he's gonna to tell you all about what he's doing. And I'm loving that. And, uh, and, and I know what he's doing, but you don't know what he's doing, but you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. Uh, it's exciting. It's very, very exciting. Uh, and then we have on, uh, a guy by the name. I'm, I'm also very, very excited about this. Um, his name is Josh Kaplan, Josh Kaplan. What a cool guy. I had a great conversation with this guy. He contacted me kind of out of nowhere. Um, he is doing some really, really cool things. Um, very smart guy. You guys know I appreciate intelligent people. Lord knows I need to try to be around as many as I can. Maybe something to rub off on me. Uh, but uh, Josh is, is literally one of the smartest people ever. And uh, you'll experience that. <laughs> you'll experience that firsthand because he is really, really top notch. And um, he, I'll, how many times? I don't even know how many times. I would love to guess, actually, how many times uh, people have asked me, you know, where do I get my news? They always ask me that. And I always tell them, sorry, by the way, if the, there was a buzzing here and the microphone was touching. Um, he's touching my microphone. Anyway, um, you guys will often send me messages. By the way, by the way, let me interrupt myself one more time. Last week, last Wednesday's show, I got 26,416 emails after the show. You believe that? Uh, I'm going to tell you, I do my dead level best to go through them. Let's see here. And I read 2,000 of them. 24,465 of those are unread. And I'm trying, I'm plowing through them, but I'm not the best at that. I do the best I can, but I just, you know, what you going to do, you know? I'm trying. I'm just one man. I'm just one man. I ain't a magic man. I'm not metahuman, you know. And so, uh, anyway, <clears throat> all that said to say this, folks were mad. I'm drinking a cup of coffee. And it's good. Anyway, uh, folks were mad. So I want to encourage you to go to last week's, uh, last Wednesday's. I'll tell you what else, too. If I were you, I would listen to last Sunday's, too. Just spend some time, you know, on the, on the Internet with your headphones or, you know, if you get your family out there and play it on the speaker shine, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Um. Marilyn Mosby, remember I talked about her? I tell you, you listen to this show, and then you look at what happens after that, you're going to be all like, hmm, what is he, a seer? Is he a seer? And, uh, but no, I am not a seer. <laughs> Some of the messages I get during this show sometimes crack me up. Good to have the United States Navy SEALs, a certain group, listening today. 
Thank you for sending me all those ignorant messages that I cannot possibly repeat. Uh, we've got people listening from all over, actually. We've got some people from Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, listening today. That's uh, interesting because uh, Dave Bray, was uh, he's a veteran of the United States Navy. It's 8404 FMF Corman for the uh, Fort Marine Force Corman, 2nd Battalion, 2nd Marine Station in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Booyah. So um, anyhow, well, that may be why. Maybe he told some friends. I know he's got a, quite a following. Um, Sunday's message got a lot of uh, feedback from Sunday's message, and I'm excited about that. I, I'll just be honest with you. I would far rather come speak in person uh, at your organization. I, I'm really a, a guy who likes to be in front of people. I don't. This talking into a microphone business. That's why I love chat so much. Uh, and a lot of the people that are usually in chat, uh, we can hold, I don't know how many, a hundred some people in chat. Um, and uh, I like that because there's immediate feedback. And even though I can't, you know, I can't uh, respond sometimes because I'm talking and typing and doing all kinds of other stuff. Um, even though I can't all the time do that, the bottom line is, is I like it because it lets me know you folks are here and you're listening. But Sunday's message, which is don't be discouraged by evil and wicked people. I thought nobody would like that. I'll be honest with you. I thought that people would be like, eh, uh, crazy, but true. Uh, that was our most listened to Sunday ever. Ever, ever in three years of doing broadcast. That is the, the, the biggest number of people that – uh, has ever tuned in. So I'm not kidding you. That I think that's pretty cool. And it was on Sermon 56 of German Whitfield, uh, George Whitfield and Hebrews 4, uh, 1 through 16, and kind of where we are in the world and where you are in your life. And I'm going to tell you, um, there's one quote I, wanna, I just want to remind you of. A great friend um, reminded me of this. And uh, in listening to Joseph Prince, I got to meet him. I didn't know who he was at the time. I know that's crazy, but I was on a television show in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and he happened to be on the show after me. I was like the the tee off guy, and then he was, and I didn't know who he was. This little guy comes over, his gray head of hair, uh, dressed, to, I mean, really dressed nice, but super nice guy, and he says, "Hey man, how you doing?" Uh, he didn't really talk like that. That's 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 not true. Well, yes, he does talk like that. So, he, but anyway, so in listening to Joseph Prince. Fear not entering his rest. He highlights that the only place where God says to fear something. Unbelief, uh, this is the part I want you to hear. Unbelief has a thousand reasons. Faith has only one. Fear not. Do not be afraid. It's said 365 times. Can you imagine that? 365 times. But anyway, folks are telling me that they were really lifted up by that and they really enjoyed it. There's something else I want to tell you about. Um, it's it's my friend. She's been on the show uh, several times. She's going to be on the show again. Uh, Elizabeth Letchworth. Great, great lady. Super, super. Well, she's Elizabeth Christ now. She got married. Great guy. Um, really excited for her. Nobody more deserving. And he must be an amazing dude because she's full on amazing. Uh, the Little Blue Book of Grieving. More than just stories. The Little Blue Book of Grieving. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, this book will rip your heart out. And then it will fix it, 
and then it'll put it back. If you've ever lost anybody, this is, uh, this is really the book to read. Let me read you uh, a really super famous guy is on the back of the book. You know how they have the really super famous people? They, uh, you know, authors, it's published by Westbow Press, by the way, Westbow Press. Very, very good. It's a division of Thomas Nelson and Zondervan, which my next books, uh, if I do, print, I'm thinking about doing ebooks instead, making them easier and all that to acquire. But anyway, uh, this really super famous guy was asked to do a dedication or do a, you know, kind of a little review. And, and uh, this is what it is. And, and uh, I want you to hear this. And then I want you to buy the book. This was good. These, the last words of Elizabeth Letchworth's beloved, beloved husband, Ron, well described this deeply touching and healing book of remembrance. The Little Blue Book of Grieving is a beautifully written testament to not only the sweet committed love between a husband and wife, but also the eternal love between God and his children. Elizabeth takes us from the role of reader to that of blessed observer who sees the sweet remembrances of a dedicated wife deeply in love with her husband and a committed couple loving their God through the toughest of times. Ron lived well and he finished well. Were he to read this excellent book by his wife, Ron might well say at the end of this wonderful book, this was good. I'll tell you what, that's exactly what I said. Dr. Sean M. Greener, author of Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. I bet if you can get this on Amazon, buy my book and the little blue book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. The little blue book of grieving, more than just stories. Go ahead and buy both of them. Why not? You'll get a break on uh, you'll get a break on on your shipping on your shipping. So today, 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 uh, just a little bit, we're going to have uh, Dave Bray. But I want to just tell you something. By now, I'm sure you've heard the national discussion on the bathrooms. Everybody, we got to have a national discussion on bathrooms. But here's what's being debated: the consequences of the idea that gender should be determined by how one identifies or chooses. Not who they are biologically as male or female. Now, next week, that leads me to tell you who's on next week, next Wednesday. We're really, really uh, – I'm very excited personally. Um, the head, the founder and head of Vote Biblically, uh, Allison Lorkowski, uh, who actually was introduced to me by Elizabeth Christ, Letchworth Christ, small world. Uh, she is the founder of Vote Biblically, and it's really taken off. But – so she's going to be on, and then Nicole Tice, Nicole Tice of the Delaware Family Policy Council and the Delaware Strong Families. She's going to be on too, and uh, which is really super cool. Um, but she's going to be on about, and, and this is important. I I think this is important for you to know. Um, <clears throat> hold on a second. Hold on a second. We got a technical glitch. People are telling me that they're typing in chat, but nothing's showing up. You're right. I don't see anything. Uh, let's see here. Just send a little. Anyway. There we go. All set. All set. We've solved all the problems in the world. One little text message. So here's the thing. Gender identity. You folks know that uh, 
Well, I'll just tell you. I mean, I, this is kind of this is kind of me just kind of telling you my experience. But I want to, I need you to understand that when I was a kid, I graduated from high school in 1983, Cape and uh, High School. And I'm going to just tell you when I was when I was in high school, I played sports and uh, girls. There were some girls that uh, wanted to be on the soccer team. I don't think we had a girls soccer team back then. I really don't. I don't remember one. And they wanted to be on the soccer team. They wanted to play, and so they they pushed and they got on. They got on the uh, they got on the team. I mean, you know, and. They worked out, they ran, they did all the stuff, they played, they got bloody, you know, got scraped and bruised and all that right along with us. And they did that because they wanted to have an opportunity to really crank it up. They wanted to really be, um, they wanted to do their best. They wanted to be on the best. And now, even if there's a, a girls soccer team or a girls lacrosse team, some girls out there, there's, I know there's girl wrestlers, they, they, they're female wrestlers. Uh, one of my listeners, uh, he owns a company called Air Oasis in Texas. Uh, he has a grandchild who actually, she's one of the top wrestlers in the state of Texas. She wrestles boys, and she's one of the top, and his, his uh, other grandchildren are actually the top one state championship. Texas, man, that's a big state. And so, but you would want to, what you'd want to do is you'd want to get on, the girl would want to get on the boys team so that they could really have the biggest, the biggest challenge. Here's the problem with that. You ready? Here's the problem with that. There's no problem with that. As long as they're willing, hey, if they get hurt or whatever, you, your parents got to suck it up. You know, boys are going to have to play like boys. They're going to have to, they're not going to have to, oh, there's a girl. I got to watch out for her. Now that all stops. You want to get on the team, boys team, that all stops. But here's the problem with that. Now, boys are wanting to get on to girls teams. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, they're identifying as a girl. But guess what? They're built like a boy. You know, they got boy equipment, they boy chromosomes, they, they, you know, all that stuff. They're born a boy, they're a boy. Now it's trendy to be transgender in high school. It's an ever-growing group. And I'm told this, I don't know if this is true. Somebody will have to verify this for me. But the, um, the largest uh, club at Cape and Lopen High School is the LGBT club. I know, hard to believe, LGBT club. I know it's you're gonna have to deal with that, aren't we? So the bathroom bill. So you guys remember uh, I did a whole show on this. I think I did a couple shows. Bathroom bill. Delaware actually beat out New uh, North Carolina because we passed Delaware passed the legislature passed in 2013 a bathroom bill when the majority of state legislators voted to add gender identity to Delaware's anti-discrimination statutes. 18 states now have this in their statutes. 29 do not because of its legal implications or opportunities for abuse. Now, Delaware's Democrat senators are pushing a new bill, Senate Bill, or SB 190, that seeks to enshrine sexual – this is uh, Nicole Tice's uh, – you know, I'm reading to you what she – seeks to enshrine sexual orientation and gender identity in the state constitution. And Dave, hang on. I know you're, I know you're there. Hang on. I want you to hear this because this is this – is, you know – You've traveled all over the country, all over the world doing your thing. Um, this is not a shock to you, but it's, it, it has to always be somewhat shocking that we're where we are. No other state has done this, and for good reason. Now, done what? 
They sought Delaware's Democrat senators seek to enshrine sexual orientation and gender identity in the state constitution. It creates too many opportunities for abuse, and ultimately it hurts women. The author of the bill, Senator Karen Peterson, who I've gone round and round with, says that adding this umbrella language will cover any possible scenario. That's a recipe for disaster when it comes to public policy. Remember, next Wednesday, we're having Allison Lorkowski on for, for uh, Vote Biblically, founder of Vote Biblically. And then after that, we're going to have uh, Nicole Tice on, and she's going to talk about this. They're voting on this today. They, I think today it came up for a vote at three. I haven't heard yet how it went but because uh, I've, been, I've been busy, but... That's a recipe for disaster when it comes to public policy. This language likely creates scenarios that even she wouldn't have intended. Now, let's be clear. The issue is not about accusing transgender people of being abusers. There are respectful and sensitive accommodations that can and should be made to protect the privacy and dignity of all. The issue with Senate Bill 190 is about undermining a woman's right to privacy and dignity and protecting children and women against the hard reality of those who abuse the law. Now, let me just read this next paragraph, and I'm going to tell you this uh, real quick. Let me bring Dave on, because Dave might have some stuff to say to us. The great Dave Bray. How you doing, brother? Hey, buddy. Doing well, man. You got, you're in deep on this one, aren't you, man? I can't help it. I wasn't going to do it, but I just can't help it. It's way out of control. It's, it's, it's beyond uh, – it's, it's, we, we have a saying, you know, we, we say something's beyond the pale. Well, this is so far beyond the pale. This is, this is absolute ridiculousness. Um, so let me read this to you and see what you think of it. Um, now, I, I, I want to be, be clear here that I don't, I, I don't want people to think that I'm rude to uh, people who have, you know, LGBT, any of that crowd. I, that, you do your thing. You do your thing. It's not my thing. Um, as a pastor, you know, my what drives me is scripture and, and God's word. And even though I fracture that big time, I'm just telling you, it's just something that I don't agree with. You do what you want to do. I'm not going to throw rocks at you. And if somebody else throws rocks at you, I'm going to step in front of them and protect you or throw a rock back. That's more effective technique. Or maybe 140 grains of lead downrange. I don't like people throwing rocks at me. Um, so the key, the key here is we're talking about, and I talked to Nicole about this. We had a very impassioned phone call yesterday about this. The key here is we're talking about girls and we're talking about, oh, what was sent. Let's say you're at a restaurant. You want to send your, you know, daughter says, you know, daddy, I, I've got to go to the restroom. Mommy, I've got to go to the restroom. And so they go to the restroom. Well, how do they know there's not men in there? who today they feel like a girl or they just want to use the women's restroom. And this law actually builds in to where you cannot have a problem with that. It actually legislates you can't have a problem with it. It says no recourse if a male entered the girl's restroom in a school. And with this language, by the way, it would likely even hold true in private schools. The way they're crafting it, it's going to be everywhere. All public restrooms, all private restrooms um, in schools and all that. Well, here's, here's the thing. I'm just going to say this. And the audience can take this for what they want. I know, Dave, you're very out there. By the way, welcome, Dave Bray, uh, Brave Day USA. Uh, awesome stuff. I can't wait to talk about that stuff. Um, sure. Good to be here. And also, Becky, I'm sure she's right there with you. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, I wish you would come on. The, I, she says, oh, I don't have anything to say. Oh, yes, you do. I bet you do. Uh, she's <laughs> she awesome. she got plenty to say. she got plenty to say. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. And I'm going to put this out there. You, you just, you know. 
look, audience, this is last Wednesday. I think we had 691,000. We're closing in. Uh, I'm sorry, 661,000 uh, people. We're closing in on 700,000 listeners. Um, I'm going to just say this, and, and, you know, it sounds crazy to you, and I'm not a famous person, not by any stretch at all, but I'm going to tell you, people know who I am. Uh, you don't get 26,000 emails after you do a show, and people don't know who you are. And most of those emails, I'm going to say, some of them are, hey, way to go, thank you for speaking the truth. But a lot of them are from people who hate my guts and would like to, you know, end me. So let's say the ninja pastor goes to the restroom. Ninja pastor's, you know, bebopping along. He's with whoever. He's, you know, he says, well, yeah, I got to go to the restroom because that happens. Ninja, ninja pastor's human. So metahuman, but human. So we go to the restroom. I go in there. I think I'm fine. And guess what happens? Some crazy uh, leftist liberal woman comes in the men's restroom and starts screaming and screaming. She'll, first she'll go, hey, aren't you the ninja pastor? Aren't you Dr. Sean Greener, Reverend Dr. Sean Greener? Aren't you that guy? Don't you have a radio show? Yeah, and, and I would say, yeah, and you know you're in the men's restroom. Uh, I don't want women in the restroom with me. I don't want women. I don't want women in the restroom in my house. I don't want to share a restroom. I want to be there, you know, and if I got to be in a public restroom, I want to be if the you know if it's a men's restroom, I'm in, I'm out. Wash my hands, folks. Let me just this is a public service announcement here. Wash your freaking hands for Pete's sake. Gah, you know, nothing worse than that, especially when you're in a restaurant. Good lanes, you can go back and eat. Anyway, uh, that was a, that didn't cost you any extra for this on this show. It's free, free of charge. So how much? So I'm in the restaurant today. We got We're gonna do a coffee check on you. I'm just you on. I'm just on my second cup now. Okay, my Curvis. What is this? Twenty three ounces. So it could be. We could be in for trouble. We could be in for trouble. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I'm in there, and all of a sudden, this sweaty, uh, doesn't shave her uh, underarms or her legs. She's got patchouli on. She's got sandals on. Uh, she's got you know uh, La Raza t-shirt or whatever. She's got her deal on. She hasn't washed her hair. She's got it. And those kind of weird little knot things, and 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 she smells kind of bad, and she starts screaming. Oh, he's raping me! Help me! He's raping me! And I'm looking at her, going, "Girl, what crazy? What's wrong with you?" So then I make one of two decisions: I stand there and zip up and wash my hands because I'm not going to leave the restroom without washing my hands, or I flee out of there. I get out of there quick because this chick is crazy. Well, what happens? People come to where they're screaming. They go in the screaming. She's laying on the floor. She's by this time rent her shirt and you know, pulled her pants down or whatever, and, and she's crying, oh, he raped me. That guy, the ninja pastor, raped me. You know they do this. They do this. This is exactly what they do. I don't want them in there. I don't want any woman in there with me. No. It's, it's, it's a private thing. But here's the problem. At some point or another, somebody has to look at this and say, what in the world are we doing talking? Why, is the, why are these people? And I'm going to tell you who's – let me just say this. You need to call in Delaware. If you're in Delaware, call Senator Henry, uh, and all these are 302 numbers because in Delaware, we believe in 302. We have one area code for the whole state, 302, and they're all 744, right? Prefix 302 and then 744. 4191 for Senator Henry, 
McBride, 4167, McDowell, 4147, Ennis, 4310, and Cloutier, 4197. Folks, you've got to call them. You've got to get in their face um, because you need to understand, like, for instance, do you know what Senator Peterson was referring to in her quote about Indiana and Arkansas? She talks about this. She she, uh, did this publication and did this speaking thing. Uh, These states reaffirmed religious freedom, saying that people with deeply held religious beliefs would not be forced to abandon their convictions about marriage and human sexuality. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. In this bill, in the Delaware Senate Bill 190, it takes all that out. You don't have any religious exemption. So let's say you have a church. I'll give you an example. Let's say the ninja pastor is preaching at a church, I don't know, wherever, and it's somewhere in Delaware. All you have to do to invite me to church is just get a hold of us through the ninjapastor.com or drjohngreener.com. Uh, so you, I'm in the church, and I'm, I'm preaching away, or I'm getting introduced or whatever, and and uh, there's a head of the deacons is in there using the restroom because he's been running around like a chicken with his head cut off. He finally gets a chance to go to the bathroom. And one of these protest people, because the people that do protest w- what I do, one of these protest people runs in and and starts screaming the same thing. Oh, they're raping me. They're raping me. You know, come on. It's ridiculous. Karen Peterson, I'm telling you, the fact that any of these people are in office, amazing to me. But the fact that any of them are still in office when they bring something like this up is disgusting to me. It's absolutely disgusting. And how they even have any sort of job. To me, what the million happy warriors ought to be doing is running them out of office. Just soundly and roundly run them right on out of office. Get involved. I talk about uh, the Center for Self-Governance all the time. And I'm telling you right now, that's the ticket. That's the secret sauce. Center for Self-Governance, absolutely the ticket, the secret sauce. We will teach you how to do it, how to get the wrong ones off the bus and how to get the right ones on. And uh, we need to do that. So Dave Bray, tell me, tell me, my brother, my friend. I'm still here, man. I'm still here. I, I thought I heard a couple amens up in there. I was amen, and I was putting a hand up and everything, man. I was getting it sweating. I'm digging that. I'm digging that. We're going to be some gospel music all, about to be all your, I got the answers to all your problems here. You know, Lay it on me, brother. Di- mandatory diapers for all humans, and then there's no more bathrooms, and then we're good on that. And we'll just all walk around smelling like giant, you know, what, dirty diapers. So there's yeah. that situation figured out. Uh, I don't understand what's been wrong, uh, what was wrong with the bathroom system that we've been using in this country for the last, what, 200 years. But it's just like everything else, man. If it can be attacked and if it can be changed and if it has worked uh, under the values of what we believe in as a Judeo-Christian nation and it can become under attack and it's, nobody's protecting it, then it's fair game. And that's it. That's the end of the story. If it's if it can be attacked, it will be attacked. The money's next, and everything else will collapse after that. But we're going to keep a positive attitude. We're going to stay praying. We're going to stay focused, and we're going to stay the course and, and move forward. But thanks for having me on, brother. Uh, I love listening to you go off. It's always always enjoyable listening to Ninja do his, do his, do his mastery. <laughs> well, thank you, brother. Tell me what you're up to. I love hearing what you're up to. 
Well, um, first and foremost, I'm still uh, doing music. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a singer-songwriter by trade. Uh, you know, I never said that I was a guitar player, but now I'm officially going out and I'm doing some solo stuff. I'm doing some recording. I'm doing some writing. Uh, you know, some of it's patriotic, some of it's faith-based, some of it's just, you know, have a good time and listen to some music with your buddies kind of stuff. Um, but I just wanted to sort of go out and do some Dave Bray for a while. Um, I've been sort of held inside of a box for the last, you know, since I've started music, I've been sort of under somebody's thumb one way or another. And uh, now this is my opportunity to go out and just sing some songs and, and be a songwriter and just do what I love, truly love to do, and that is music. And uh, I actually created something really unique to go along with that. Um, and it's because of what I call my prayer warriors, uh, which is a group of fans that have really come forth for me um, in the last couple of months, just in my time of crisis. And these people have gone above and beyond, literally, in faith for me and, and put their hands together and bowed their heads and, and kept my family and them in their prayers. And it really, truly, honestly brought me and my family out of the darkness and into the light. And what that is, Sean, is my new uh, apparel company called Brave Day USA. Hmm. That sounds kind of cool. I like uh, the – you guys understand this here, right? Dave Bray, Brave Day. We have a really smart audience, but they might not have had their coffee. Dave Bray, Brave Day. I love it, man. I love that. When I first saw that, I about lost it. I thought it was cool. Um, it, it is. It's, it was unique. It was something that you know I had named, uh, I had named just a, a little – my email was that for a while, and um, you know, it just sort of grew. And after – after everything fell apart um, from my last musical project, uh, I wanted to do something that was more faith-oriented, more faith-based, and I was just really in a, a situation where I was just sort of in fear, and I just didn't think I could do it, and I didn't, I didn't believe in myself. And then, you know, after, you know, you and I even had a, a little powwow session. I called some people that I knew had been there, done that, seen what I had seen and gone through what I had gone through. And I really found some unique people out there that sit in some pretty high-level positions, some big friends of mine um, who have gone through what I've gone through. And, and through prayer and fellowship and just honest to goodness, just, you know, talking back and forth, they have helped me. And uh, I started Brave Day USA for the reason of having fearlessness put to one side and pushing forward in your life and having a direction, having a goal, and keeping faith first and, and moving forward. And, and everything else from that point on becomes possible. So mm -hmm. my hope in uh, is that Brave Day USA, and it's done pretty well so far. It's an apparel company. Um, but when you wear one of these shirts, um, they are faith-based. They, they have some really cool logos and symbols. One has the JC33 cross on the front, which is really unique. Um, and it's just one of those designs that's catchy. It, it looks really great, and, and people are always sort of inquisitive. Well, what's, you know, what's the 33? What's the 33 stand for? Um, and obviously it is, you know, you know, he walked on this earth for 33 years and was, you know, sacrificed in, in order for us to live an eternal life in heaven, and that's just what we as Christians believe. Um, lo and behold, you know, it gravitated towards uh, a lot of really, really great people, and the, and the prayer wars have been supporting uh, but if people want to find out more, go to BraveDayUSA.com or DaveBrayUSA.com for the Dr. Seuss Impaired. And you can you can check out the stuff there or just go to my Facebook page. It's just DaveBrayUSA, and you can check out the stuff there as well as my new music that I just released. Uh, we're going to play right now uh, your your new song. So if you guys 
uh, you're, you're, this is a treat because a lot of people haven't heard this, but I want them to hear it right now. So listen, cool. folks, this, this is a um, – well, tell me – I'll tell you what. Tell me about this song. What in the world led you to uh, – like I'm a former police officer, and for mm-hmm. me, uh, it had me with my hands and, and uh, you know, just kind of my head in my hands and having to wipe my face because I, I got some friends, man, and, and they're not here anymore. Right. And they, right. you know, they, I have a watch. Uh, it's funny, Invicta. You ever hear of that company, Invicta? They yeah. make watches. Well, Absolutely. one day, I wish, I wish I understood how to make money from radio because one day I started talking about this new Invicta watch. My friend, uh, one of my, uh, it was actually a range officer and armor at uh, the police department where I used to work. And uh, he, he told me about this watch, this thin blue line watch. So I said, well, let me go get me one of those. So I went and got one, and I talked about it one time on the show, and apparently they sold so many of these watches to police officers that eventually they started asking, you know, this is not a watch that we advertise. How are we selling this all of a sudden? Mm, yeah. And so they started asking people. They asked their managers, ask people. When they come in and they say they want this watch, ask them. And, they, and people started saying, well, this guy is on the radio. His name is the Ninja Pastor. He used to be a cop, and he talked about it. And I want it either for myself because I'm a police officer or – you know, to give us a gift. And so, uh, very nice. They, they actually, uh, presented me with a special watch for doing all that. And I didn't even know they were doing that. It's very, very nice. So very cool. Let me say that. Yeah, it was really cool. The watch weighs about 10 pounds. It's one of those giant <laughs> big man watches, you know, Got my it. left arm is way bigger than my right arm now because of it. Um, but it's, it's really a, a wild, wild watch, but it's really neat. And every time I wear it, people always comment on it. And I tell them this story. Just today, I got in a conversation uh, with a guy who I have you know, a lot of respect for um, about uh, there was a video that was released. A police officer you know, pulls his car over. Now, we don't know anything more. This is dash cam. Nothing more. He just pulls the guy over. Uh, the guy won't roll the window down, and then, uh, then he won't get out of the car. And, and so finally, the police officer tases him, drags him out of the car, handcuffs him, drags him over. Uh, kind of drops him, you know, about six, eight inches, and he face plants. Uh, but he gets him, you know, gets him out of the way. And um, and so, as I understand it, the police officer got in a lot of trouble. But there was a debate, like, oh, man, this guy's on a power trip. And I explained some things. I said, you know, you, you can't know what's going on until you're there. When you walk up to a police car, you have no idea what you're encountering. It is the most dangerous situation you will ever encounter in your lifetime. And you do it, you know, no matter what shift you're on, if it's two in the morning, if it's five in the afternoon, if it's seven in the morning, it doesn't matter. You don't know what you're going to face. You simply don't know. And, and, and if you don't know, you've got to, you've got to get control quickly. Now I was a big guy. Um, and, uh, I think i I think I went around 257, 260, something like that, 270 with all my gear on. And, uh, I worked out feverishly and all that stuff. And, um, so I, I wanted to be in great shape because if I ever, you know, it, you know, you're going to get in a fight, there's just no way around it. I wanted to be in the best possible shape I could be in, but I can tell you, um, you still get a twinge every time you walk up to a car. And if you can't uh, if you can't determine what's going on in that car, if somebody's just going to suddenly put a barrel out that window or they're inside, you can't see in, and they they could have a gun pointed at you right then, they pull the trigger, you're done. From that range, you are finished. 
it's a hard job, and 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 you know we can debate you know the very minute number of police officers who do the wrong thing. Most of them do the wrong thing just because they were acting out of nervousness or, or you know, uh, panic or whatever. They departed from their training a little bit. And, and, and a lot of the ones that get in trouble, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. And, right. and, and, you know, it's just easy to sue. It's easy to blame. You know, get the diapers out, the Dave Bray solution. Everybody wears diapers and, and you know, can't run around crying and whining all the time, running to your safe space because the police officer talked mean to you. LGBT, LGBT diapers only, you know, that, LGBT way, only. that, that okay. way they feel special enough that they're allowed to wear diapers. In that and way. it's very that's important that they, to, that's what it exactly. comes down to. We all know it. Daddy didn't pay enough attention. So here's your diapers. There you go. Here's your nutty you know back. what's funny? I, I'm glad that you brought this up. Now I'm going to blame this on you. I'm glad you brought this up because here's what I've been thinking. I've been looking at this situation and, and uh, I've been doing some writing about it. And some speaking about it doesn't make me terribly popular with a certain segment. Um, but the fact of the matter is I've been analyzing this group. You look at the ones that freak out. They scream and they make all this, uh, you know, all this ruckus. And, and they make just utter fools of themselves. Temper and tantrum, man. Temper tantrums, like a five-year-old. And, and it, it comes down to that. Their parents uh, either were busy working, trying to support their behinds, or there was just serious problems in their lives to such an extent that this is, this is the manifestation of it. This is how it manifests. They, they act out in a way that is just ignorant. They, they, they look and, and there's not enough, you know, they've created a situation where we don't point at them and go, you have got to be kidding me. You ignorant fool. Get out of here. No, I'm not going to stop grading uh, in the first semester of, of college because your grades you know, you got such good grades in high school. Now, all of a sudden, you're in the real world, which is not college. Trust me. Um, you know, 11 years of postgraduate education. I can tell you, college is not the real world. Um, so now, all of a sudden, it's harder, and nobody's there to pat your behind when you're feeling a little bit sad and down. And so now, all of a sudden, you know, you're you're starting to get real grades. You're starting to be like, wow, this is pretty hard. And so it's hurting you. And everybody wants a trophy nowadays. I talk about that in my book. Everybody wants a trophy. Everybody wants to feel good. You know, we want to do away with, by the way, uh, valedictorian. So a lot of states are analyzing doing away with that. Sure. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> now, here, here I, got, I got one for you. So my, my uh -oh. son, he's in his second grade, and uh, he's, he's very, very smart. He reads on a fourth grade level. Um, but just really, just really picked up on reading at a young age, and it was something that he always just loved and gets into. And you know, he he reads anything, man. We were at the zoo the other day. He read every plaque. I mean, he knows everything about every animal we saw, which is amazing. So, lo and behold, out of ten second grade classes, there are about twenty five, thirty kids in each class. Okay, he the 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 top five in each class were allowed to go onto the spelling bee. So essentially, he beat out. He came in first out of all of them, the 51 that, that, that came forth and did the finals for the end of the year of spelling pee. He beat everybody out. He comes home, and he's super proud, and his cheeks are red, and he's like, Daddy, I have something to show you. And I'm just like, oh, man, what is it, buddy? How would you do on your spelling bee today? He's like, just you wait and see. And he pulls out a half a sheet of paper, uh, just regular you know, um, thin-grade uh, copy machine paper with a copied uh, miniaturized certificate that, that had bad ink, and you can see the lines through it. And somebody took a pen, a big pen, and wrote his name on first place out of second grade 
final, uh, you know, spelling bee contest. <clears throat> and then I sat there and I thought, you know, the other day I just watched, you know, 12 kids walk out of a soccer um, uh, meeting or at the end of the year meeting with their, you know, foot and a half tall trophies. Um, you know, they were, they got sixth place out of, they were the next to last team that got this, these trophies. And I'm just sitting there scratching my head. My kid beat out <laughs> over 200 kids, um, and on, on something academic and he did it by himself. He studied every night cause he, they gave, you know, a list of 200 words. He studied every night, um, and didn't miss a one and he wins and he comes home with a wrinkled up piece of scratch paper and to, to put up on the refrigerator. And, you know, here are these kids that sat on the sideline, picked at Clover's, and, you know, got seventh place out of out of eight teams, and they're walking off with one of these trophies. And I'm looking at what are we glorifying in this country? What are we saying is, is good, and what are we saying is bad? And it comes down to everything is reversed. Uh, you know, the cops are bad. Uh, the protesters are good. We should take the side of the protesters because the cops are bad people, and that's why, the, that's why, the, the, that's why all the hate and the violence is because of the police. Um, you know, it has nothing to do with the laws that their politicians, that these people have voted into D.C., these liberals that they have put into, into office by voting up the, the liberal media and voting down the, the liberal line, that they have put in these, these laws. It has nothing to do with these people that have created these laws. It has to do with the people that are at the, trying to uphold these laws, which some are ridiculous, that these people go out and protest against. So if you look at the whole entirety of this thing, it's one big giant it's it's basically the symbol for chaos. It almost looks like a recycling uh, a bin. You know, you look on the side of it, it's a triangle, 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 triangle. It's chaos. It creates and de- destroys itself at the same time. And that is what this country is being set up for by the liberal left, I feel, and by D.C., and by the entitlement programs and the feeding frenzy that's happening on the lowest level of humanity that has come into this country from God knows where with God know what agenda. And here we are suffering as working citizens, people that are in their own businesses trying to make things happen, trying to make things work and getting the carpet pulled out from underneath them by the left and by the government and everybody else can get their hand in their pockets to feed these these seagulls, you know, that are just flying rats and destroying everything. So at the end of the day, you look at what, what people are basically feeding into, the Kardashian mentality of uh, chewing gum and seeing what kind of boots you're wearing and what's really important and what, what's, what's taking up people's time and, and, and pulling them away from the true uh, realities of today, and like LGBG bathrooms and, and these things that really don't matter. When you have Christians being murdered overseas, you have ISIS walking across our southern borders and people saying you're not allowed to build a wall. Well, at some point in time, all this is going to erupt because, A, one runs out of the other, and you can't destroy anything else, and you can't create anything else to make something to destroy it. So what happens is eternal – basically, it's going to fall in and on itself. And when that does happen, you're going to start worrying about things that are real, and there's going to be people that know how to concern themselves with how to get what is real, and then people that don't, and they're going to react in fear. And those people that react in fear are going to gravitate towards chaos, chaos towards anarchy, anarchy towards an inevitable disruption of our day-to-day society and our modern-day society. And that's what I believe the, you know, the Solinsky mentality. That's what they want. They want us to fall apart. They want us to be you know, at war with each other so they can do yet again more harm. Well, that's the thing, and you put that very uh, very eloquently, and the fact of the matter is, is I talk about this a lot. Um, I talk about it in the book, and I talk about it in my speeches all across the country, and and that that thing that I talk about is, listen, folks, you've, you've all heard, 
people say, look, watch the one hand. You see the news cycle. You see this thing that's being shaken in front of you, like the gorilla situation. Um, I had to ask a guy the other day, you know, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I think his name was Harari, Hamari, something like that. Um, I'm a huge animal lover. Anybody that, anybody that knows me knows I'm, I, I love animals. I love all kinds. I love the sweet ones, the furry ones, and I love the ones that can kill me. Um, you know, I'm a, just a big fan. However, and, and, you know, I, I can't profess to understand how somebody didn't get locked up for this kid ended up in this little, little kid, little toddler ended up in this enclosure with this gorilla. And if you look at the over, like they did a drone overflight, I don't know how it happened. I, you know, other than somebody put them in there, I, I don't see it. It's a gorilla enclosure. I mean, they build these things, they engineer these things such that people can't do it. Well, anyway, suffice to say, he ends down, ends up down there. People, all kinds of people are commenting. The cops should be shot. The, the, uh, you know, all this stuff. Oh my gosh. I mean, just going off, you know, uh, these awful people, they just wanted to kill a, a gorilla. The dude that, that ended up being the one that shot the person, the police officer ended up having to shoot the gorilla cried for hours, had to be consoled for hours because it was one of the worst things that in their career they've ever had to do. But if you watch the actual video, the, the gorilla is, and the gorilla is doing what gorillas do. The gorilla, I'm not a huge fan of, of, of zoos, to be honest with you. I'm just not a big fan of it. Um, but they serve a valuable purpose when they're done right. They educate people. Uh, they educate people about animals. Uh, they help save a lot of animals, animals that otherwise would not survive. They, you know, they could never survive out in the wild, so they provide a home for them. And it's a great educational tool if they're done right. So in that case, I'm not, I, I don't, you know, I'm not throwing rocks at that. But if you watch the video, the gorilla, who's 450 pounds, is dragging this little kid around through water like it's a rag doll. Why? Because it's a rag doll. To that gorilla, it's a rag doll. And at a certain point, the, the, the child's head goes underneath the water, and then he snatches the kid and, and – um, I mean, it was just amazing to watch. I had just awe. I was in awe of this, this gorilla. Well, they say, well, you know, can we just dart it? Can we, can we tranquilize it? And then there's a big discussion like, look, you know, we tranquilize a lot of times that aggravates him until it sets in. He's a big animal. He might get mad and, and, and crush the child or slam the child against, you know, I hate to say it, but I probably would have tried that. I'd have had a backup sniper ready to go if that started to happen, but whatever, you know, I mean, you can only do so much. And so they, they shoot and they kill the, the gorilla. And I'm telling you, that was a big deal. Now the police officer, I don't know why they did this. When they released the police officer's name, the police officer has death threats now because he had to, as part of his job, he had to shoot a gorilla who had really and truly done nothing wrong, but it had, you know, this is what the people there on scene had to do. They're watching a video. Now, people on the internet, they don't watch the video. They just look at the gorilla and they say, oh my gosh, how could they ever do this? They're a bunch of killers, you know, awful, awful human beings killing another animal. Well, they did it to save a human being's life. I said all that to say this, that you've got several things going on here. You've got animals being placed above human beings again and you've got a police officer who was doing 
their freaking job. They didn't want to do it. They're devastated now that they had to do it and getting death threats at their house. And you look at that and you say, what kind of society do we have here? That that's the way we think. That's the way we work in life is the people doing their job. God forbid, you know, you can't do that. You cannot do that. You you can't do this or you can't do that. Somebody, a police officer has to lay the thump down. We used to call it tuning up. Somebody resisted arrest or hurt a police officer or hurt an old person or a child. God let them. Go ahead, Lord. Let them resist arrest before I get these handcuffs on. Mm-hmm. Because that's how yep. it worked. And, and, and other people don't want to say it, but I'm telling you, that's how it worked. And you know what that person did next time? They did the right thing. If there was a next time, they did the right thing. Why? Because they knew, I do the wrong thing, a police officer is going to put a hurt on me. Now, is that necessarily right? No, it's not right. But it's how it is. We no longer deal, Dave, we no longer deal with how it is. We deal with, well, it should be this. And, and, and that leads me to this. You know, you sing some really, you write and sing phenomenal. We're going to play your, play your song, Last Call, here in a minute. I'm going to try to listen to it without getting all teared up. Um, Look, I, you you write some. I don't know why people call my book controversial. I don't think it's controversial, but and I don't I don't know why really they would call any of the songs that you've written uh, controversial. But some people do. They call it controversial, and it makes no sense to me because I'm thinking, well, this is how it is. He's writing how it is from a military perspective. He's writing how it is. You were talking about soldiers, and as a as a police officer, first responder, um, it's it's how it is, folks. You you cannot like it. Uh, sometimes people, you have to get rough and ready. Well, how come he threw him down? Well, how come he used the taser? How come he hit him with the nightstick? Why did he use this? Why did he use that? Why did he put the handcuffs on so tight? You know, the answer, why did that, he put the answer to that back? question is why? Why did he? Why did he beat the three-year-old girl with a with a remote control? Why did? Why did his, his wife covered with uh, hot grease? You know, because he decided to get upset and throw a pan at her over off the stove. You know, that's the kind of stuff that people don't see. They only see the outcome. And I wrote last call because of our first responders, our fire, but mostly our police are putting themselves in these crazy, crazy situations. Like you said, um, you know, you never know what you're walking up upon uh, when you're coming to anything, whether it's a door knock from, a, you know, just a random, hey, stop by this call there, we, we heard something over here, to uh, a, a simple, you know, pulling over somebody on the side of the road because they've got road rage. You know, you just never know. So, um, you know, I have a lot of good friends that are that are law enforcement, and, you know, I would consider some of these people closer to my family than, than anything else. And, uh, I was given a video, or it was actually a, it was, I don't know if it was a Facebook video or, or an audio thing, but um, it was a dispatcher at a funeral, and she was giving the last call for a badge number, and I didn't know this was something that went down. I had never been to yeah. a police funeral, and I don't ever want to. Uh, I hadn't known this was something that they did, but they clear all stations, and then they do a, a last call yep. for the badge number, um, and they'll be like, badge number 443, this is dispatch, you know, badge number 444, you know, 333, whatever, this is dispatch. And then final one is like final, you know, you've served your last, you know, yep. your last call, your final call. And it is, it just tore me up to the point where I couldn't sleep at night. I was waking up hearing that, that, that dispatcher making that call, making that call. And I wanted to, it was one of those things where my mind, you know, when you, right before you go to sleep, it's one of those things that I try to tap into that. Like I pick up my phone and I'll start talking into it and stuff just so I can remember those things. And it was one of those things where it was that dispatcher and she was haunting me and I just sat up one night and I was just like, you know, 
just put it down on the phone, you know, and I just started talking, you know, what would I say or, you know, what would that cop or that person that was last call want to say if, if they could answer? And basically I went down through it. It's like, you know, tell my wife I love her. Tell her I'm not coming home. Tell her, you know, my kids that I'll always be watching over them. Uh, you know, I'll be them, be there when they fall. And you tell my my brothers and sisters that serve beside me that I'm sorry I couldn't, you know, that I kind of let you down today and I couldn't save myself. But thank you for serving beside me. And it's just a very, it's it was just the idea of it. You know, if somebody could answer back, and it, I think it memorializes what our police and our first responders really do. It says and humanizes them to the point of what they really are caring about. Uh, you know, they are fighting for the for the the civility and peace in this nation, um, and we have become a pretty much a, a non-peaceful nation. I mean, it, it is like a battlefield out there for these men and women in, in blue. And you know, I just looked at that, and I looked at some of the statistics, and we are losing more police on a daily basis. Uh, statistically, than than we do our own military, which says yeah. to me that we we are we are literally a country at war, and our police literally are the war fighters of our civilian nation. They are in that front line, and you don't see them, uh, you know, cowering down. And they are just people that want to go back to their homes. They want to make a living. They want to get a pension. They want to retire. They want to buy a boat. They want to go fishing, just like you and me. And they are people that have families, they have friends, you know, they sit and drink beer at backyard barbecue. They're no different than you, me, or anybody else. And, you know, I've gotten a lot, gained a lot of respect over the last couple of years because of uh, the, from the police and, and to the police and for the police because of the fact that I've finally gotten to crack a couple beers with some of these guys and, and be at a part of, of what they do on the, on their on their back walls and, and some of their conversations. So I hoped, you know, I hoped that last call, um, you know, is basically a memorial to all the fallen officers, but <clears throat> I hope that inevitably it will help to humanize uh, the, the the American police officer because they've been they've been demonized for the last couple of years here, really heavily, not only by the media uh, but by social media. And it's one of those things that uh, you know I've worked side by side with an organization called Lesma, and they are like a media watchdog that helps some of these problems and confronts some of these media outlets that are reporting you know, poorly on, on reflecting of how police officers are handling certain situations or taking certain s snippets of audio or video and only posting certain points when, uh, you know, the, the whole story needs to be told. So uh, we worked alongside with them, and we created an amazing video. You can check it out at uh, Dave Bray USA on Facebook. Please send your, send your listenership to Dave Bray USA. Please like me and tell me that uh, you heard me on Sean Michael Greer's show. I'd love to hear from from you guys and check in. Uh, please check out Last Call video. But if you're going to play the song, I think it would be a, a good time to possibly play it now. I think that would be good. Let's let it rip. Cool. No time to be 
first police funeral that I went to. And I remember being stunned because I actually knew the person. I mean, police line of duty death, and I knew the person. And uh, I was good friends with her best friend. She, it was a slow night, 
and uh, she was serving. They said, "Hey, you know what? It's a slow night. Why don't you, you why don't you just go run warrants? Uh, no big deal. Just go run warrants, and we'll, you know, it'd be easy. You know, simple, basic warrants. Just, you know, not violent, non-violent warrants. Just a regular warrant." Somebody didn't pay their ticket or whatever. So just go, and you serve the warrants, no big deal. You know, it's a slow night. And she went, and she departed from uh, training, and she knocked on the door, uh, standing right in front of the door. And the guy on the other side of the door with a shotgun shot her right through the door, killed her instantly. She didn't have her vest on. Uh, She said, hey, this is low risk. You know, it's hot. I'm going to just going to – I'm just going to – put the vest in the locker and she was killed and she left a family behind. And I remember the call and I remember uh, Joey Zerba and, and several others. And you hear that call, that last call, you'll never forget it. I know why now it had such an impact on you uh, because now you understand what it is. They call that number and they're calling out to them. And then they'll say, if they use the 10 code, 10, seven duration, you know, they use your, uh, my IBM number was, um, 28, uh, it's 2284, um, 2, is 10-7 So if I'd have been killed in the line of duty, that's what the last call would have gone out to be when I was interred. And I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I, I, I've been one to say this and Dave, I know that, you know, that, that this is the case. It, look, it doesn't matter. All the other, all the other things that happen, you know, the the mistakes that that a police officer in a very very difficult job, really up against it, up against everybody. You know, everybody's got the cameras now, and and he's even got he or she's even got to wear a camera for Pete's sake. Some some police agencies are wearing hat cams and chest cams and dash cams. I mean, all these cameras are like their TV stars. Uh, because of all the lawsuits and, you know, we want to make sure they don't do the wrong thing. And they're afraid it's called the Ferguson effect. They're afraid to do the right thing. God forbid they do the right thing. They're going to be put through it. They survive a terrible thing and then they get, they lose their job. They'll never work again. The guy in Ferguson, he's, he can't get a job. He's broke. He's lost everything. (laughs) Nobody remembers him, but they put a statue up to Michael Brown and meanwhile, this guy's trying to figure out, well, how do I feed my family? How do I, how do I have a house? Well, what if you'd have died in this? You know, police officers will look at each other and we'll say, man, you just got to make it home. I still remember the first big fight when I was, uh, when I was a police officer. I was just, I was new. And Lieutenant uh, Al Scarpetti, I, I still, I remember to this day, big, big giant man. And he told me, he said, because I had done everything I was supposed to do by training in order of how you're supposed to do it as you escalate. And this guy was a bodybuilder on steroids, on um, PCP and, and some other drugs. And he was just wigged out. He was way bigger than me. He was way stronger, way bigger, way tougher. Uh, and I still remember I did all the things because I didn't want to get in trouble. And I almost lost my life. I mean, it was 11 minutes of fighting. That may not seem like a lot, but 11 minutes is a long time in a police uniform, carrying a bunch of crap, wearing a bunch of stuff. You're wearing dress shoes. You're, 
you you know, you can't hardly move. So I did all those things, and then I felt he got behind me and was pressing me against the car, and I felt my gun start to move, my gun belt move up and down. And at that time, I looked down. I said, oh, it's on. I'm a multiple-discipline third-degree black belt. And so once once the, the switch flipped, it was over in about two to three minutes. I mean, I've gone back and listened to the calls and of the people watching. They said, hey, you know, you, this guy just got sent here by himself. You know – you, somebody needs to be here with this guy. You need several officers. This guy that he's here to deal with is a bad guy. And then as the fight started, you hear more calls come in saying, your, your officer's in a lot of trouble. He's in a lot of trouble. This guy's going to kill him. Until finally, you know, you hear, uh-oh, <laughs> the officer's got the upper hand now. And But thank God, what if it happened sooner? They've been playing that for me. Yep. That last call, they'd be they'd be playing my number. And people would say all kinds of nice things about the funeral. Wow, the police really... Do it up, you know. Uh, but the bottom line is you're the last line. And everybody is an expert when it comes to a police officer. Everybody's a freaking expert. Everybody's a legal expert. Everybody's a tactics expert. Everybody's, you know, you let a cop start to put on a few extra pounds. It's, oh, yeah, he's getting the free donuts, all the free donuts and coffee you can eat. But you know, let me tell you something. He's working a rotating shift by and large. He's trying to he's trying to work while everybody else is asleep and try to stay awake and keep from crashing the police car, keep from making a mistake on his police reports, just so people can be safe. Are all of them perfect? No. They're not all perfect. They're human beings. And, well, and hey, put in hey, an Sean, untenable position. Real, sorry, man. Real quick, I got I have to step off. I got two kids. I got to get to soccer games tonight. But I just want to say again, thank you so very much for playing the song. I hope. Again, people will check out Dave Bray USA on Facebook. I just did a really cool uh, live feed post that actually talks a little bit about this as well. Um, again, thank you so very much. People, if you want to find out more about me, go to DaveBrayUSA.com and, and check out the store. Check out some of the stuff. There's some great Father's Day gifts on there. and uh, I hope that you'll uh, you'll join me in walking fearless in faith and as we move forward and make this country a better place to live for our children. So i got to step off, man. Thank you again for having me. Uh, be well and God bless my friend. Hey brother, anytime man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming Roger. on. Appreciate it. Roger. Take care. Roger that. So folks, there you have it. Dave Bray, awesome, awesome dude. Uh, he's been through it. His family's been through it. But you know what? He they're they're forging ahead. They're focusing on faith and family, and you know it's an awesome thing to watch. It's an awesome thing to watch. Um, you know I'll tell you what. I I, I still remember um, Zerba was a police officer, Newcastle County police officer. He was posthumously he was a sergeant when this happened but he was posthumously promoted to lieutenant i think he was going to be promoted lieutenant anyway and i remember when he was killed somebody called me and they said because i knew him and i had talked to him a couple of weeks before and i said hey you're wearing your vest you look like you're staying in shape that's good staying healthy how's your wife uh just a guy you couldn't help but like <laughs> so he goes out on a call and you remember those bath salts i think this was bath salt oriented crazy stuff that people take and um he encounters the guy on a guy that you know they've been looking for and um encounters him the guy's going along you know he's submitting to being you know handcuffed or whatever and all of a sudden he turns and he stabs uh joe zerb he stabs him in between the vest where the vest uh, joins in the side and he hit him just so perfectly that he he killed him. He was dead in minutes, just literally minutes. 
he didn't even know he was hit. He continued handcuffing him, and uh, he didn't, didn't know he was even hurt. And it was a little tiny knife, not a big knife. I, I wish that people could see these things. I wish that, that people could see how things actually work. I, I tell people all the time, there's a lot of people on Facebook, and I'll tell you what, it's a lot of people that I actually respect. They're good people. They're really good people. Law-abiding citizens. They, you know, they don't. They, they do what they're supposed to do. Uh, but they're anti-police. They're just like, look, you know, these 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 guys are jackbooted thugs, and 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 they're they're just a government uh, overreach in a big way. And they've developed this attitude. And you just can't change their mind. And I and I've often told people, here's how you do it. Okay, you say whatever you want after you do a month of tours. I used to say, do a do one do one midnight tour, do one evening tour. I've said this many, many times, you know, it, it, do a month, do a month of, it's easy to get up when you're used to going to sleep and going in and, you know, dealing with the dregs of society with your hands tied behind your back. It's easy. It's easy to do it one night. It's easy to do it for one week, do it for a whole month. See how you feel at the end of one month. See, see how you feel rotating shifts. Working 12-hour days and longer. You're so fatigued, you just can't even function. See how you feel. And then see how you feel when you go to the same places over and over and over and over. And then you tell me. You tell me what you think at that point in time. You tell me. Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break and then... uh, I am going to uh, be back with somebody very, very special. I'm, I'm super excited about you hearing about uh, Josh Kaplan and what he's doing. Hang with me. Be right back. We will be back with Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, after these short messages. Hey, happy warriors. This is the Ninja Pastor here. Listen, keepers of the republic, people who care about the future of this country, if that's you, and you're not the you that just wants to talk about it, just do Facebook posts, just do Twitter, but I mean, you really want to do something. You really want to make a difference. You're called a keeper of the republic. Our founders clearly detailed that we, the people, would keep our republic if we participated in our own governance. Self-governance, let me tell you what, requires education, participation, sacrifice, and determination and the belief that you can make a difference. Look, you got to do something, but what is something? As I said, Facebook posts, they won't save the republic. Neither will rallies or voter drives. It goes way deeper. And if you truly want to do something of value that is also effective, the question is, are you willing? Listen, you can go to centerforselfgovernance.com or you can go to facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. There's a link there uh, for a center of self-governance. All you do is click there while you're there at facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Click on like and sign up and you'll have all these links uh, immediately available to you. Super, super easy. And I can help arrange courses for you in the Northeast and elsewhere. You got to do it. You say, I got to do something. I want to do something. This is the something. This is the something really big. This is the secret sauce. You got to ask yourself some tough questions. Do you really have what it takes? Do you really have what it takes to help save this country? Do you really want to save the country? Have you given up already? 
then here's the really, really tough question. Am I worth the blood and treasure already sacrificed for liberty and freedom? Am I worth the acres of crosses in Arlington, Virginia and towns across America? Soldiers who gave everything, committed everything to our freedom. How do you do it? Go to my Facebook page, facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio, and then click on the link to this, Center for Self-Governance. It'll be right there. You want to do something? This is your something. Hey, listeners, let me tell you something really quick. Listen, if you own a gun, not even if you carry a gun, not even if you have a concealed carry permit, but if you own a gun, you need to listen up. You need to get a pen. You need to get paper, something. You need to click into your notes in your smartphone and, and take this number down. First of all, the first number is 20630. Don't worry, I'll repeat it. 20630. Listen, you have the right to defend yourself and your loved ones and your home. All of that stuff is true. You know it is. But the moment you pull the trigger or pull your gun, you are at risk for devastating legal and financial consequences. You know, you can be arrested. You can be jailed. You can be sued. You can be fired. You can be bankrupted. Even when you've legally and justifiably used a gun in self-defense. Listen, you don't have to let this happen to you. Just call Second Call Defense. That number you want is 20630. Listen, it's going to get you a whole month free. 20630. I'll give you the number in a second. You're going to enjoy, listen, when you become a member, you're going to enjoy peace of mind of having immediate and comprehensive legal and financial protection at your fingertips the moment you pull your gun, the moment you pull the trigger, no matter where you are in the United States. You just make two calls. Your first call should always be to 911 to request an ambulance and law enforcement. And listen, we'll tell you exactly what to do, what to say, how to say it. Your second call should be to second call defense. Listen, we've got your back. It's complete legal protection for armed self-defense, and it is fully endorsed by the NRA. It's fully backed by the NRA insurance program. Folks, you've got to have this coverage. I have the Cadillac protection, which is the ultimate coverage, and I'm telling you, it is phenomenal. People say, well, I've got homeowner's coverage. That'll protect me. I've got an umbrella policy, civil liability policy. No, no, it won't. In fact, it's specifically excluded. You say, well, I'll get a public, a public defender. They'll keep me out of jail. No, they won't. First of all, usually public defenders are from liberal colleges and liberal law schools. They hate guns. They hate people that carry guns. And they're, they don't understand uh, lethal force to start with. They're overworked. They're underpaid. Is that what you want to bet your freedom on? Is that what you want to bet your financial future on? That? Are you kidding me? 877-502-3300. Secondcalldefense.org. You want to give them this number, 20630. That's a Ninja Pastors number. You give them that, they're going to give you a free month. Go to God and Country Facebook page. Uh, it's facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Uh, there's a place where you can sign up. You, you know, Sign up by the means of putting in your information for the show. Uh, to follow this show, but there's links on there. Once you do that or on that page, there's a link there, and that will show you exactly where to go. You click on that link, go, get all kinds of information. There are no contracts. You're not locked in. And once you get your money back, your free uh, month back, they, they never come back and take it back. This is the best coverage out there. Trust me. I've researched it all. Join today. Welcome back to The Collision of Faith and Politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. Awesome. Great to have you back. Listen, 
after this break here, um, we're really excited. Uh, we're back from the break, so uh, it's now. We're going to have now. Josh Kaplan on as our guest. Josh is a Stanford graduate, real estate investor, and 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 what he's doing now is just going to blow your mind. He's the uh, founder and editor in chief of Vessel News. You want to write that down if you're driving. Don't write it down. Just remember it. Vessel News, or better yet, just go to uh, theninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com. Go there and then go over to the blog, the most recent blog post there. All that information will be a uh, uh, all the relevant links that I'm talking about. Also, God and Country Radio show page, excuse me, on uh, Facebook. You go over to that, it'll be there as well. Uh, all the links will be right there. So don't worry about writing anything down if you're driving. But this is a guy you're, you're not ever going to forget. Um, I love how he does what he does. It, what this is, is it's a brand new news startup. And here's what they're doing. They're on a mission. And after you hear this guy, you'll realize this is absolutely a mission to redefine the conservative media narrative to reflect the essence of American exceptionalism. Now, you guys know you've been listening to the show long enough. You know that, man, I'm, I'm into this. I'm into American exceptionalism, not just talking about American exceptionalism, but being exceptional. Being exceptional, not just talking about it. But let's get exceptional again. Listen to D-Day. Uh, the anniversary of D-Day uh, was just the other day, and, um, you know, the greatest generation, I, I believe that. I don't believe we're the greatest generation right now. I believe the greatest generation was the World War II generation. They just got stuff done. And we, I believe, can get back to that. And one of the ways we can do it, I talked about, you know, the commercial Center for Self-Governance. I, I firmly believe that, that that's the secret sauce. But I've got to tell you, uh, Josh is, is doing something exceptional. Uh, he is attempting to raise $50,000 in 60 days to kickstart Vessel Dues via this crowdfunding website called Indiegogo. You ever hear that, Indiegogo? Um, with funds going toward writer salaries, marketing, website-related duties, things like this, uh, operational expenses. Now, their editorial approach is going to be totally different. It's going to combine anti-establishment conservative politics and technical innovation news. Remember last week? Well, I'll talk about this when uh, when I bring Josh on, but what Vessel News is going to be is this one-stop shop. You guys are always asking me, where do you get your news? Where do you get your news? Now, I don't, you know, <clears throat> I think I'm pretty young. I'm 50, I'll be 51 in September. I think I'm a young conservative. Why not? Just believe. Just believe. But it's going to be a one-stop shop for young conservatives uh, covering hot-button issue, hot issues such as immigration, radical Islamic terrorism, Second Amendment, college campus censorship of right-wing viewpoints. I mean, nobody can say that, uh, that, that the right-wing – look, if, if you're a conservative on campus nowadays, on any college really, I, it, it, it's kind of sad to say, but on any campus, if you're a conservative nowadays, you're, you are uh, really ostracized. I mean, let, let's be real here. You, you, you can't be conservative on a college campus nowadays because you're going to just be uh, you're going to be vilified. But you're if you're a leftist, holy moly, man, you're you're great. You're the smartest person in the world. I want to say this: Vessel News is extremely unique in that its narrative is going to reflect the idea that today's entrepreneurs and America's founding fathers are kindred spirits. I talk about this all the time. My friend Jerry from Pennsylvania, we talk about this a lot. Um, entrepreneurship is, is absolutely the mo- – capitalism in general, but entrepreneurship, boy, that's, 
as a guy who's had several uh, businesses, you know, founded businesses, and I love it. I mean, I just love it. You're generating something. The government doesn't generate anything but trouble. And both of these groups, they've disrupted outdated and rigid systems and shifted power to the people through entrepreneurism, through capitalism. Look, we can all agree that the founding fathers were the ar- architects of America. Today's technology entrepreneurs, they're, look, they're standing on the shoulders of giants. They're developing innovative goods and services that underscore American exceptionalism. Now, I am so excited to have join me now, Editor-in-Chief of Vessel News, Josh Kaplan. Welcome, Josh. Thank you for joining us today. Dr. Sean, it's a pleasure. <clears throat> the pleasure is mine, and the pleasure is going to be my, my audience's. And uh, sorry I went a little bit long there. Uh, you know, I, I tend to get going. I got fired up. So I don't know if you were able to listen to the, the interview with Dave Bray, great guy, some great music. Um, but and, and he appeals uh, to a great degree to what your potential audience is. But I, that brings the question to me is, is I want to kind of tell me what your audience, what is your vision? What's, what's the audience going to be for Vessel News? And I, I don't want to uh, kind of harsh or mellow here, but it's a crowded media space. I mean, you're you're entering a, a really, really, really. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of folks in the news, especially blogging and things like this. There's there's just a lot there. What is your vision, like your your audience? I know I said that it's the younger people. It's the, but but I don't know that that's because I know like I have iPhones and iPads and I'm on a Mac and I have a Thunderbolt display and I have speakers and headphones and all these different things. I mean, I'm teched out. So I think I'm probably, you know, I'm young at heart anyway. Um, and I would, I think I would dig it. I mean, I would really, really dig it. But tell me, tell me how you're going to carve out some space here in this, in this market. I mean, there's just so many people in it. The vision for Vessel News is to be the manifestation of the everyday millennial conservative, all of the thoughts, hopes, and dreams that they have within the realm of politics, how they want their government to operate, and in addition to such, all of the other things that round them out as an individual to make them an American. That's engaging in technology, appreciating technology, all of the deal flow and mergers and acquisitions and wonderful movers and shakers in Silicon Valley that all us young conservatives strive to be, or at least many of us do, and then round out our coverage with more cultural aspects of the American experience like entrepreneurship, business, and food. Today, when I take a look at the conservative media landscape, all I see is today's issues being understood and analyzed through the political prism. Everything that happens within America through the conservative eyes of the media is understood through Washington. I don't know about you, but that's not how I lead my life. When I take a look at the conservative media, I see everything about politics. I don't see the hopefulness that all of this liberty that we're fighting so hard for every single day could actually manifest and help us in the everyday real world. So 
Vessel News, if I had to sum it up, it is the it plays into all of the thoughts, hopes, and dreams of a young millennial conservative, a firebrand conservative who wants government as far away from them as possible, upholding all the conservative values. But in addition to that, also reflecting another transformative aspect of society, which is technological innovation. So many young conservatives care so deeply about what's going on in Silicon Valley, but many of the media properties that are in the conservative realm they reflect so negatively and only report on the very strong deterioration between conservatives and Silicon Valley. Now, I'm not an advocate for all of the policy prescriptions of some of the billionaires in Silicon Valley, but that doesn't mean that we should discount the tool of technology as a means to bring America into the next century in the number one spot as it did in the previous one. Hmm. How do you um... – you know, I don't. I guess I have to admit, maybe maybe I'm not as uh, young as I thought because I know I see a lot of the crowdfunding now. Uh, I remember originally it was um, like somebody had a fire at their house, and then people would do a website, or uh, maybe maybe somebody was terminally ill or seriously ill. They would, you know, they know the family was financially impacted. They would put up a website. And then they would raise money. But crowdfunding now is for so many things. Um, How come – how did you – like walk me through how that happened. Like how did you come to decide crowdfunding was going to be the way to raise the 50000 instead of maybe going the more traditional route of of seeking out investors and all that? And then tell me what you're going to use the money for. You don't have to tell me everything, but some of it. That's a great question. One of the primary issues that the American populace right now has with the traditional media sources that, for lack of really a a better situation, many of us have no choice but to depend on them as our news sources. The problem is, is that the media is enmeshed in a trifecta with the government and corporate America. The government relies on the media as a pipeline to disperse their views and The media depends on the government for such information, and the corporate dollars are the ones that oil this very functional, very operational machine. Now, what that does is is it makes – it renders these media conglomerates dependent upon these dollars, and therefore their narrative, their ability to tell truth – and spread the type of values and principles and tell us the things that we want to know and need to know, it compromises that. So by going the crowdfunding route, what Vessel News is going to be able to do is have a grassroots backing from individual financial contributors so that our narrative is 100% focused on the American people. That renders us 100% independent. We don't answer to any corporate bosses. We don't answer to any lobbyists. We don't answer to any marketing firms. Everything that we put out there is put out there because the American people wanted it, and the way that they demonstrated that is through a financial contribution. So that's why we wanted to go about it through the crowdfunding way. We wanted to be able to maintain 100% control over our narrative. Without our narrative, without our very unique narrative out there, 
Vessel News is not what Vessel News is. Hey, uh, we have a question coming in now uh, over chat, and Steve from Ohio says, how do we relate to millennial conservatives, and what is their what is their viewpoint? Millennial conservatives, what is their viewpoint? Because I'll tell you the truth, I'm with Steve. Uh, I'm older than Steve, but I can tell you what. Uh, sometimes I look at the, and I wrote a book where I talked about it, and, and even then with all the years and years of research, I, I, I'm dumbfounded at some of the things that – air quotes, millennials think and believe. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I can't even believe they think what they think. But then when we get to millennial conservatives, I think that's a key group. It's got to be a key group. Otherwise, no wonder, you know, you're, you're targeting them. But what is the millennial conservative? What's their viewpoint? Well, millennial conservatives, actually, if we want to put a term on it, they're more so conservatarians. Which means that they advocate oh, for many like of the, they they advocate for many of the conservative values um, that transcend the demographics. But where the libertarian streak comes in is on the social side. So it doesn't necessarily mean that conservative millennials are pro-abortion or pro-gay marriage. They don't want to take a position on it whatsoever. They don't hmm. care if you do it in your own home. They're sexual libertarians. If you want to do something that, cons that social conservatives would not endorse, do it in your own home. That's the way that a young conservative thinks. And if you want to take a look at the fiscal side of conservatism, this is where there's a real bridge between millennials and the older conservative generations. So those are that to me is the fault line between young and older conservatives. It's on these social issues. Young conservatives bend more libertarian when it comes to the issues of gay marriage and abortion. And how someone that is a little bit older could take a look at Vessel News and say, this is my new news source, is because right now, in the political, in the conservative media, right now what we see, and I'm going to go back to it again, is that it is hyper-political. Everything that happens in the business world, in the food world, in the sports world, unfortunately, from my standpoint, is churned out in that sausage maker through something that is political. And how an older conservative could take a look at Vessel News and say, this is my news source, is A, we've got all the red meat conservative news that's in there that they would find anywhere else. Um, but where we differentiate ourselves is, is that if older conservatives want to understand where the future of their movement is going, whether from a political standpoint or an ideological standpoint, it's important for older conservatives to understand that the center of business power is no longer in New York. It's no longer the hedge funds and the big banks. It's the artificial intelligence companies. It's the robotics automated companies coming out of Palo Alto. If they want to stay ahead of the curve, which they always have. People say that conservatives are low-information voters. You and I know this for a fact. The opposite is true. Older conservatives will gain real value by taking a look at our website and seeing what's actually going on in the world. 
what's going on. Vessel News is going to drill down on the technological standpoint and keep them up to speed because as conservatives become older and older, it's harder for them to understand the realm of technology. And for us as young conservatives, that's where we're heading. We're politics and we're pro-technology. So it's going to bring those two movements together so that we could both be on the same page. Hmm. Wow. Um, you axe grindings. We, you know, when we talk about, oh, I don't, I don't have an axe to grind here or there. Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I don't. I'm not angry. I'm, I'm not angry about this. I'm not angry about that. Uh, you know, I'm just going to let people live how they're going to live. I don't care about this issue. You do what you want to do. Blah blah blah. Well, what is important to them? What what is it that's important to the millennial, the conservative? What is what are they willing to take a stand for? <clears throat> the the young conservative, the the millennial conservative, is concerned with fiscal policy and foreign affairs. These two realms occupy a big space of the young conservative mind. They want lower taxes. They want to remove all that red tape. They want to be able to engage in entrepreneurship and technological innovation and not have to worry about hiring umpteen uh, attorneys uh, to sift through all of the laws and regulations that they have to dilly-dally between so that they can come out with the next groundbreaking technology. So from a fiscal standpoint, they have the same hopes and dreams as conservative across the demographic uh, spectrum. Um, and then when it comes to foreign policy, young conservatives want, again, many of the same things that older conservatives want. They want a military so strong and so powerful that if any nation were to think of infringing upon the liberty of the United States, well, they'd be scared to death. That's what they want to see, a military might ever so strong. They want to, have, they want to see a world where America was – post-World War II during that golden era, that Marshall Plan, where we helped rebuild the world. That was America. That was done under American leadership, and they want to see that America again. And, you know, sadly, they see right now a limp-wristed president who refuses to take the lead in many of the most pressing issues of our time. So there's not that much daylight between young conservatives and older conservatives when it comes to fiscal and foreign affairs. And I think that's a great sign. That means that there is, that there is continuity between the generations. Oftentimes, people think that young people and old people, they're having such a difficult time cohabiting in the same country. I can assure you that the left between the young and the old have much more differences in daylight between one another than conservatives do. And I think in the long run, that's going to be very beneficial for our movement. Hmm. Wow. I like your positivity. Um, the One of the things that I'm curious about, and I know that technology is, is kind of your thing, uh, a lot of the companies are uh, – they do a lot of design work here in the United States, and then the manufacturing uh, somewhat by necessity. If you want to be profitable, you got to have lower labor costs. So they, they outsource it uh, to other global uh, – manufacturing firms. And so that part of the process is, is no longer in the United States. How do we get that back? How do, what do we, 
in your opinion, I mean, because here's, here's why I ask this. I'll, I'll kind of pull the pull the layer of the onion off. I'm frustrated with companies. <laughs> excuse me. I'm frustrated with companies that uh, they send a big chunk of the manufacturing of their products. Uh, they outsource that overseas or, or to Mexico or wherever because it's so much cheaper. I don't think you can – I disagree with Donald Trump in this – you, you can't force them to do that. You can't force them to bring it back to the United States. Ford, Carrier, Oreo, all these people, you can't force them to do that. You can't force them to say, hey, yeah, I'm going to pay 70% more for my labor here to do it here. Look, they employ a lot of people still, even without sourcing. There's you know thousands and thousands of people that have a job because of, um, you know, because – of the company, whether it's, it's outsourced or not. Well, how in the world, what do we, how do we get them to make it here? I mean, in my book, I talk an awful lot about unions and I did a lot of research and, and, and frankly, I was shocked at the amount of really high dollar research that the, the major unions in the country were willing to share with me. And in sharing that with me, uh, I saw that, look, the labor cost, I call it the 3335 rule. Uh, 35% more expensive to bring to market than private. Now, we're not talking about overseas. We're talking about private versus union. So imagine this with an even lower labor cost, uh, lower litigation cost, lower altogether cost uh, of overseas. So we're, th- these are just numbers for domestic. In the United States, union versus private. 35% of the uh, time, it's, it's more expensive by 35%, just right off the top. 35% of the time, it is late to market. So the union is going to be 35% more, and it's going to be uh, late to market 35% of the time. They're not going to hit their mark 35% of the time. And then it's going to cost 35% more, and the satisfaction, the end user satisfaction, will be 35% less private versus union. Now, you've got companies that are saying, and Josh, I know that you run across this a lot because technology is heavily manufactured overseas. You've got a lot of companies that say, look, if you expect me to make a product that people can afford with the quality level that we want to make, there's no way we can do it in the United States. And uh, we can hate all we want. We can we can hate those companies and the people that run it. They they run off of uh, they ha- they have they they have shareholders that are looking at them saying, hey, you've got to get this shareholder price. I'm looking at my stocks every day. Or you got pension account uh, managers who are like, look, you know, we have uh, uh, 20 million shares of your of your stock here, and we're heavily invested in you. What are you doing? We need you to make profit because we've got. Our 10,000 employees are losing hand over fist because your stock price is plummeting. How do we get them back? Well, this is one of the most difficult questions to answer for anyone within the political realm. Donald Trump seems to be incredibly confident that he's going to be able to bring back many of the millions of jobs that have gone overseas or simply evaporated. 
I actually believe that when Donald Trump says that we're going to be able to bring those jobs back, the way that he plans on doing so is slapping huge taxes and tariffs on businesses that are operating overseas and trying to import their goods. And then if there's going to be any uh, mergers or acquisitions or a company is going to begin to moving their operations to Mexico or to China or to Switzerland, he's going to slap on a very heavy penalty onto them. I think that if he were to do so, corporate America would be furious. Uh, I think that he's going to have such overwhelming pressure on that that it's going to be very interesting to see whether or not he could pass those measures. Um, But I I see that as an interesting opportunity to reevaluate what it is that we've lost and where it is that we're going. So while I don't believe that it might be even possible to be able to bring back these jobs, the jobs in which Donald Trump is speaking of and many of the other politicians have spoken of previously are not necessarily jobs that will take us into the future. We don't necessarily need the jobs that previous generations had, not all of them. Many of the opportunities right now are occurring within the technology space. And it doesn't matter if you're younger or older, you could always, an old dog could learn new tricks. So you've got young and old folks that are moving into the technological realm. They're learning how to code. They're learning how to graphic design. They're learning how to put together hardware. These are the jobs that I believe most certainly over a Democrat or Republican could create with the right regulatory, the right tax policy, and just an overall level of confidence in the economy. If you feel like your neighborhood is not a safe place to live, you won't live there. Someone won't move there. And that might be the result of a bad article in a newspaper of a crime that was committed not too long ago. And there seems to be some type of narrative that's ruining the neighborhood. And that might have been a one-off issue. But what I'm trying to say is that there's a lack of confidence within the country to make sound and long-term investments. You're going to have economic lag. And when I think about Donald Trump's policies, again, I see the measures that he could take. He could very well slap on tariffs and, and levies on companies that want to leave and then companies that want to import. I, I am not sure that the, that the system that we have set up where the lobbyists and companies are so entrenched in D.C. would allow for that to occur. Uh, that would most likely have to be a executive order because I would be hard-pressed to see the likes of Paul Ryan, John McCain, and Lindsey Graham who, like it or not, still occupy a large part of the Republican Party, uh, being for that type of measure. So whether or not Donald Trump wants to see this occur, I am not 100% that this could even be a reality. Um, And the jobs that he's speaking about, my personal uh, solution to that is, is let's not look to Donald Trump or Ted Cruz or anybody else who right now is leading the conservative movement. Let's look within ourselves and say, where are we going? Where's our economy going? Where are the jobs? Code.org has said within the last, in the next 10 years, there's going to be a shortage of 1 million people to fill jobs in technology. And when older conservatives think about technology, they think, I'm too old for that, or I don't know anything about technology. 
it's not all about the most complex, difficult, skill-based occupations that are opening up. They might just be companies like HP and Facebook helping out and creating jobs in ways in which other companies have done, and they've worked there in the past. It could be in accounting. It could be in, in, uh, in renovation and development. It could be in a, a, a multitude of different realms. So that, that's, that's my take on, on where, we're, where I think Donald Trump is going from a job standpoint and where I think the American people should start looking for jobs or at the very minimum start sharpening some of those skills. Wow. Hey, let me ask you a quick question uh, because we've been talking about Trump, and I guess, you know, I really didn't even think about this, but, you know, you've got the hashtag never Trump or the hashtag Trump train. Which one are you on? Well, I've I've actually <clears throat> been rooting for two candidates. <laughs> I rooted for two candidates. I said I'll take either or. And in politics, everyone is always looking for that person that says I'm going for one guy and one guy only, and then that guy drops out, and then miraculously they pick another one. So I said I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm going to choose two. I'm I'm allowed to choose two. So I have been a huge supporter of Ted Cruz for so long. I saw Ted Cruz speak at the Freedom uh, Summit down in Manchester, New Hampshire, close to two and a half, three years ago, uh, when he was just getting well-known in the grassroots space. And so many folks, when he was running for president, had asked themselves and their uh, people in the media, do you think Ted Cruz actually has a shot? They described him as a long-shot bid. And when I went to see him speak, I saw all the hopefuls. I saw Huckabee and Rand and Trump and Marsha Blackburn and Newt Gingrich, and the electricity in that room when that man got on that stage. The folks were absolutely in love with Ted Cruz, and they've been so for years. So it was only, it was yet another example of the pundit class being so incredibly out of touch with the average American conservative voter. So I had been a, a huge proponent of Ted Cruz for so long. He has shown such courage and bravery, um, whether it be his fight against Obamacare or standing up to Mitch McConnell on the, on the floor and calling him a liar. I thought that took such incredible, such incredible strength. Uh, and I had been a supporter of Donald Trump's candidacy as well for different reasons. Um, so I'm not a part of the Never Trump uh, crowd. Um, I'm on the Trump train. I've been, but I, I was a member of the Cruz crew as well. Before Donald Trump was running, I wanted to see a Ted Cruz-Rand Paul ticket. That to me was incredible. And then I would have taken a Ted, I would have taken a Donald Trump Ted Cruz ticket. Uh, and and now my my ticket is a, a Trump Jeff Sessions. So over the time, it, it, it has evolved, um, and, and that's where I am in terms of my preference. Uh, what about you? Who are you supporting right now, or who did you support? Well, you know, it's funny. It, it's funny because uh, I was hardcore Ted Cruz train, uh, really, really, and I still am. I mean, I, I, the guy is just an impressive individual. He's an impressive – I've met him, uh, a very impressive individual. I've talked to Sunday school teachers of his people have known him since he was five. I've, I've talked to college professors of his, uh, and and every single one said he is singularly the the most intelligent, uh, patriotic human being they've ever seen. But also one of the hardest working, genuine, um, 
but tough guys they've ever run across. And, and, you know, in, in Washington, um, look, I have people on the show who are Washington insiders and, and they can't stand them because they work in the inside and they say, you know, well, the other politicians in Congress, they, they hate his guts. Well, that's what he said he was going to do. He told us, he said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go there and I'm going to, um, I'm going to stir things up because I'm going to call it like it is. I'm going to be real. And I represent Texas first and the American people second. And, and um, I, I want to, I'm, I'm not there to make friends and, and I like the guy and he's very, very smart. He knows the system. Yeah. He, you know, he got in and he tore some stuff up and people said, well, he can't get along with his own people. Well, can can we really say that Trump does? Uh, because Trump's, you know, you speak of the House, uh, former presidents, you know, Pre- President Bush had said that, you know, he's not going to support him. All these other things, you know, these these are real things, uh, real people that that say, look, I'm I'm not going to support him. Um, so and now, on the other hand, as far as it relates to supporting Trump, he's our nominee, you know, and I don't want some crazy funny business happening at the convention and then all of a sudden something weird happens. I don't want that. I don't think it's going to help anything. I think it's just going to hurt it. Nobody is going to trust. They already don't trust the GOP. So why would they after that? They've just totally turned away from them. Let's (laughs) talk uh, about Paul Ryan potentially stealing the nomination. Uh, yeah. That ruffled any feathers within the, you know, the Trump movement, the the Tea Party movement. That was a, a great concern, and to uh, actually build on a previous point you na- made about the intellectual firepower of Ted Cruz, the youngest ever tenured professor at Harvard Law School, Alan Dershowitz, said that Ted Cruz was by far one of the most intelligent students that he ever had the pleasure of teaching. So we're in agreement on just the raw brain power that he commands. He is an incredible, incredible individual within the conservative movement, and I think he has a very bright future ahead of him. Yeah, I think so too. I really do. And I wish that Trump hadn't said some of the things that he said, Uh, but Trump says things about people and then, you know, a week later, he's, you know, shaking hands with him and saying, hey, you know, we can be friends now. Um, I would love a Trump Cruz ticket because I know that would groom Cruz for, uh, you know, in four years. I don't think Trump had would have, I don't think he could stand to be president for four years, all the limitations that get put on you. Um, so I think that he would be a one termer and then Cruz could go in. I don't know that would happen. So many uh, silly conservatives would say, well, uh, you know, there's no way I lost all respect for Ted Cruz. I really liked him. But now that he w- accepted this, you know, vice presidential bid, I, 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 I'm against him now. I'm against him. Now, I'm really disappointed. And that's stupid. You, you know, look, uh, look, going along to getting along, uh, going along to get along has just gotten us where we are. We're, we're just a mess. We're just a mess. But at the same time, it's a war. I mean, they, these people are in war for the biggest job in the country. And there's so many butthurt people out there that like uh, Dave Bray uh, said, you know, people run around in, in diapers because they're just, they're just so sensitive. It's war. And, and uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a Trump fan by any stretch, but at the same time, he's our nominee. If, if Cruz is next to him, I'm, I'm a fan. 
<laughs> hey, one more question. Silicon Valley, well, two more. Silicon Valley has targeted conservatives over and over. We know that. And, like, let's just talk immigration and guns. They're, they're way against us. But why, as an anti-establishment Tea Party type of conservative, do you think it's important Vessel News champion for Silicon Valley? I mean, I, on the one, I mean, shouldn't Vessel News be against them? That's a fantastic question, and this is the this is the difference between Vessel News's editorial vision and all of the other conservative outposts combined is that right now conservatives have a marketing problem. They don't have a value problem. They have a marketing problem. When non-conservatives take a look at conservatives, we are known as bigots and racists and angry individuals who are bloodthirsty for foreign conquest throughout the world. We have an image problem. And we also have a, a, a problem with what do we do with our vision? Meaning, when we amass all of this liberty, we're fighting for so much liberty every day, liberty, the Constitution, liberty, the Constitution. Are we fighting for this liberty so that we could just have more liberty or more freedom? Or are we trying to obtain maximum liberty so that we could self-actualize as human beings and as a country. And when I think of self-actualization, I think of being a poet, an artist, an entrepreneur, a technologist, a builder, a developer, a creator. When I think about young conservatives, they're firebrand politically. And the marketing aspect of that is, is that that's all we're known for is firebrand conservatism. We want liberty. Now, what Vessel News is going to do is it's going to bridge the gap between why we fight politically and what we do with all that liberty, which is entrepreneurship, so we could have the red tape away, so we could have low taxes, so that we could have a level of confidence that blankets the country so that we're not afraid to build the next big Facebook or Twitter or Google. So that's why it's so important for me not to get bogged down in what Mark Zuckerberg is doing at a Facebook or what Jack Dorsey is doing at Twitter. I'm against 100% what they're doing, how they're trying to suppress conservative viewpoints and values. And darn well, we all know it. But let's not have Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg's liberal policies blind us mm-hmm. from the sheer utility of technology. Yeah, That's I agree. Why I hey, Josh, I got to interrupt you. We got like a minute to go. How and where can uh, this audience support Vessel News's uh, campaign? Like, what what can they do to help support your campaign? That's fantastic. So they can go to Indiegogo.com. That's I N D I E Go Go. Dot com, type in Vessel News, V-E-S-S-E-L News, and they're going to see our account, top left. You click on that, and you can make any level of financial contribution starting at $5 that you want. And depending on how much you give, you'll get mugs, you'll get T-shirts, you'll get all sorts of cool different rewards and gifts and prizes for helping us out. It's not just giving back. And that's that. We actually uh, say a very special thank you in that regard. They could also check us out on Twitter at at Vessel News, 
the top tweet, we've got a link directly to our Indiegogo campaign, and that's how they could give. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show today. I feel like I want to have you on again, and uh, we'll, be, we'll talk uh, off air and, and, get, and find a way to get you back on the show. Josh Kaplan, thank you so much for being on the show. America, thank you for listening around the world. Thank you for listening. We will be back on Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. God bless you all. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www. DrSeanGreener.com In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.